Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. We lock ourselves in prisons because we don't believe what God says, period. That may sound offensive, but I'm telling you the truth. And I say that because I experienced that far too often within my own life. How did I get back in this prison cell? The door's not locked. The door's never locked because Jesus broke all the locks, okay? But the cage is still there and we crawl back into it and we hold, this, we hold the, the cell door closed because we don't believe what he says. If you've placed your faith in Jesus to save you, he's freed you from the power of sin. Yet how often do you find yourself falling back into it? In today's message, Pastor James will confront this very common problem. Why would a slave ever go back into slavery once they've been freed? As the Israelites wandered through the desert, looking back at Egypt longingly, they showed that sometimes the chains of sin seem easier than the arduous journey that God has in store for us as he leads us into the promised land. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Genesis chapter 50 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. What Joseph has probably no clue about is that with his brothers, I would assume with the exception of probably Benjamin and maybe Judah, but with his brothers, what Joseph has no clue of is, is the fact that they really haven't dealt with you know, their issue of how they wronged Joseph many years ago. See, for Joseph, he forgave them. He forgave them for the wrong, and he moved on. The brothers never moved on. They never moved on. Look at what happens immediately, immediately when all this stuff is done. Verse 15 says, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, they're having this little conference with each other, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. Dad's gone. Dad's dead. And immediately fear creeps back into their hearts and their minds. Because they have a conference immediately. And they say, oh, no, this isn't good for us. Because now dad, dad has been our protection, is, is what they've assumed. Dad has been our protection. And that now he's out of the picture. Joseph can do to us whatever he wants. So what do they do? I believe, I believe they make up a story. I believe they start acting like their dad in the way that he acted many years ago when he was known as Jacob, the deceiver. I mean, look at what they do. They, they, they conspire another plan. These guys, anytime these guys get together to figure something out, it's not good, okay? We know that because the last time they did this concerning Joseph, he ended up in a pit and then sold as a slave. Now they're conspiring together to figure out how can we what? How can you manipulate Joseph, your brother? That's what they're doing ultimately. Verse 18, or 16, I'm sorry. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father, your father, 
Not our, not our father, okay? You got to know the verbiage there. No, your, your father, your father gave, uh, gave this command before he died. Uh, he told us this before he died. Oh, yeah, when, when did that happen? Oh, it was just before he died. No, but like when? What time? What day? No, it just, trust us, it happened. He said it. He said it. Well, I was with him up until the very end. When did he say this? No, 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 no. Just trust us. No, I don't, I'm not going to trust, if you're one of his sons, I'm sorry, I'm, if you're not Joseph, I'm not trusting any one of you guys. Like, no, what's, no, you remember your dad, your dad, he told us this before he died. Say to Joseph, please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. They're like, I remember, you know, I don't know if you knew this, but this is what dad told us to tell you. You know, when you stepped out to go to the bathroom, he said this to us before he died. He's like, what? But this is what's been playing within the back of their minds for many years, for so long. They have never been able to move past this moment within their lives. And I think, I think this rings true within a lot of believers today. The reason why we read Romans 8, verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, is because so many people are like in self-imposed prisons because you don't believe what he said. You don't believe what he says. That's ultimately what it boils down to. We lock ourselves in prisons because we don't believe what God says, period. That may sound offensive, but I'm telling you the truth. And I say that because I experienced that far too often within my own life. How did I get back in this prison cell? The door's not locked. The door's never locked because Jesus broke all the locks, okay? But the cage is still there, and we crawl back into it, and we hold, this, we hold the, the cell door closed because we don't believe what he says. That's the truth. And you may be like, no, 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 I do believe it. No, I'm gonna, I'll tell you this. Then I don't believe it all the time. Then I don't believe it all the time if that hurts your feelings, then I don't. Because what he has said is true. What he has said is true. Joseph had a moment with his brothers when it was forgiven. It was forgiven. And what he said was true. What he said was absolutely true. It was so true that Joseph moved on from it. That's how true it was. As far as the East is from the West, Joseph moved on. And he lived his life, what? In freedom. In freedom. His brothers never did. Their entire time spent in Egypt, they always had this cloud over their heads because they didn't believe what he said. You always want to be on the side like Joseph. If God has forgiven you for your sins, you need to understand theologically, that means past, present, and future. Because you're going to keep sinning. You're going to keep blowing it. You're going to keep messing up. That's just how it goes, okay? That's how it goes. There will, be, there will be a time when you stop sinning. That will be also the time you leave this earth, okay? So you won't be on this planet anymore. You'll be in the presence of, you won't be sinning anymore. So if that's a big deal to you, don't worry. Your time will come eventually. However, you should get really comfortable with the fact that if he said he has forgiven you for your sins, 
past, present, and future, you should just run in with that. You should just be good with that. Does that mean that we never have to confess? No. Listen, it's a relationship. So when I do mess up, and I do, I go to him in repentance asking for forgiveness. The forgiveness is there, but because I love him and I have a relationship with him, I acknowledge when I've blown it and say, Lord, I messed up. Will you please forgive me? Of course he forgives because he has forgiven. Past, present, future. It's covered. The slate has been wiped clean. Remember being in school? Most of my time early on, because we did have chalkboards, right? You guys remember those in school? The worst things ever, right? Because they always made that horrible noise when the teacher was writing on them. Maybe she did that on purpose. I don't know. But uh, anytime any lesson was written on the chalkboard, I don't care how good you were. It's, the janitors had skills because they could come in and they could wipe the slate clean, right? If you're just trying to erase it with, a, with an eraser, you can never get rid of it all. You could always see remnants of previous lessons and all that good stuff. The same applies to kind of dry erase boards nowadays, right? Although nowadays, my kids, you know, it's smart boards, right? So it's totally different. But there was always a remnant. There was always a reminder. There was always a reminder. When, when the Bible talks about how Jesus has, his blood has covered your sins, you need to understand that is, that is the same, the equivalent of somebody coming in and not just erasing what was once there and you can kind of see it still. No, it means that it is absolutely wiped clean. There is no evidence on that board of what was once written on there. That's really what this is talking about. That's what forgiveness actually is. We, just like Joseph's brothers, live our, live our lives too much so within the reality as if it's just like, well, he took an eraser and he erased it, but I can still see what was once there. I'll, I'll tell you this, you do have an enemy who will remind you of what was once written on there, but the reality, the truth of it is, it's been wiped clean. It's been wiped clean. Embrace that truth and run with it. Run with it. If you're going to bank on any promises of God, and there are many throughout the scriptures, if you're going to name and claim anything out of this book, I would start there, okay? I would start with that one of like, my, my sins have been forgiven. All my offenses towards God have been covered. They've been covered. Joseph was living in the reality of like, no, you, I know what you did. I know what you did towards me, but I, it's forgiven. What are we talking about? What are we talking about? I mean, this has such an impact on Joseph. And look, at, look at how he responds. And they go on to say, I mean, they're acknowledging the fact that they did commit this evil act against their brother. They did sin against him. Not just, I mean, they, they, they label it. I mean, it's, it's transgression and it's sin. Those are two different terms. They're like covering the whole gambit there. They're like, listen, in case we miss anything, uh, it was transgression, it was a sin, it was evil, and it's yes, yes, and yes to all those things. Now, please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. Wait, when does he stop becoming your father and our father? 
I mean, come on. What are we talking about here? Like, the brothers. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Now, this, the, the technical term there is, is not like he, he doesn't lose it, right? We know Joseph is an emotional guy, and we have seen him lose it, so to speak, in weeping. This is one more of just tears are, are, are running down his face because he can't believe that his brothers are still holding on to this. This is like tears of disbelief. It's very reminiscent of when Lazarus died and Joseph sh- or Jesus shows up and, you know, his, Lazarus' sisters are like, you're too late, you're too late. Everybody's mourning. They've all, everybody's lost hope and all that. And, Jesus, and it says Jesus shows up and Jesus wept. It, it really is kind of talking about the same scenario over here. It's just like Jesus wasn't crying over the loss of Lazarus. He was crying over the fact that, like, in the same when he rolled into Jerusalem, he's like, he's crying tears for Jerusalem of, like, you just don't get it. You don't get it. Here I am. Here's what I've done for you. And Joseph is weeping because of what they spoke, what they've, what they've said to him. And he's just like, no, as far as I was concerned, we're good. But you've been living in this prison, this self-imposed prison, this entire time? Like, you could have been walking in freedom. You could have been free dwelling there in Egypt, they had every reason to believe Joseph, every reason to believe him because he had taken care of them and their families. He had provided for them and their families. Every single day that they were in Egypt, they were well taken care of. I mean, if you're not getting like little hints of, uh, you know, how Jesus loves you and is taking care of you each and every day, um, then I, I can't spell it out any clearer. I just can't. But here Joseph, is, he has proven to them his forgiveness, and his love for them. They don't have to earn it. He didn't require anything from them. He didn't, when they showed up into Egypt and he revealed himself to them, he says, listen, um, what you guys did was wrong. Yeah, that's true. Um, And I do have forgiveness for you. However, uh, that forgiveness is conditional. If you live here in Egypt and you do good and you do this, this, and this, and this, and this, that forgiveness will still be there. But the moment you miss one of those little boxes that you're supposed to check off, forgiveness is taken off the table. You're out. That's not how it works. That's not how Jesus works. That's not how the gospel works. The gospel is a free gift. All it takes, and we're going through the book of Galatians, Galatians with, you know, on Saturday mornings, and what we are getting pounded over our heads with is the fact that the gospel is a free gift from God. You can't earn it. You can't earn it. You can't be good enough for it. You're not good enough for it. None of us are. His brothers were not good enough or were ever going to be good enough for his forgiveness, but that wasn't the point. The point was Joseph freely forgave them. He freely forgave them. And not only did he freely forgive them, but he displayed his love for them all throughout their lives. He backed it up. And here's Joseph like, Are you kidding me? How are we having this conversation right now? What's so good about God is, because I do this a lot. I'll do this a lot. Like, I'll get on these little weird trips where it's like, 
you know, I, I feel as though I'm not doing enough for God or I'm feeling guilty and, you know, all, all that stuff is really condemnation from the enemy. It's like, listen, you're not a good Christian. You're not good. If you were a good Christian, you wouldn't be doing this. You wouldn't have thought that thought. You wouldn't have said that to that person or whatever. Like the enemy does these things to us and all that. So sometimes that, that happens to me and it really just, uh, anytime that like sends you spiraling into like depression, you need to know that's of the enemy because that's not how God works. God doesn't like convict you to send you into depression. God convicts you to send you into joy and freedom, okay? So, but the enemy loves to come alongside and say, listen, you're not that good. You don't believe it, all this stuff, uh, yeah. And it sends you spiraling down into this depression. But this is a common thing that we go through. And that's why, that's why we really kind of chose to camp out on this for a little bit longer than maybe what we normally would. But I, I think we, this is something that we all need to embrace, um, if you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus and that he died on the cross for your sins and that he rose from the grave and that that, that was a gift for you and you received that, you need to understand between you and our Heavenly Father, you're good. You're good. I don't feel good. Well, days, lots of days I don't feel good either. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What matters is the fact that when God looks at you, he sees you covered by his son's blood, meaning he sees you as righteous. The moment you accept him, the moment you receive that free gift, from that day until the day you're standing before him, you're seen as one of his own. And it's not really predicated on your behavior. Now, should you knock off certain things? Yes, of course. <laughs> Paul talks a lot about that. Read the book of Romans. Read, read, read most of the New Testament. Listen, should there be changes in your life? Absolutely. Absolutely. However, it's not a performance thing. It's not a performance thing. It's not. The thief on the cross, that dude was a bad dude. And he got saved dying on a cross. He didn't have time to clean up his life. He didn't have time to kick certain habits. He was transitioning from this life to the next. And in the moment... He would be in the presence of his heavenly father, his heavenly father. He didn't have time to do good works. He didn't have time to do good works. All he had time was to say, yes, I believe. That's all it took. That's it. So Joseph, here kind of like dumbfounded by his brothers, um, verse 18, his brothers, they also came and they fell down before him and said, behold, we are your servants. Um, displaying this act of humility. But Joseph said to them, do not fear, <clears throat> for am I in the place of God? He's like, what? don't be afraid. What? Why are you afraid of me? Why are you afraid of me? Again, I think just another true thing that we ought to, that we ought to make a, you know, a reality within our own lives concerning God too. Why, should there be a reverence towards God? Yes. A fear of concerning him, a healthy fear concerning him? Yes. Should you be afraid of him? No. 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 You, you shouldn't be afraid in that sense of the one who loved you more than anything, to send his only begotten son to die on the cross for you. Should you have a healthy respect of him? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Because he's God. Because he's God. But here's Joseph, the man who has forgiven his brothers, who has been like, listen, I don't hold anything against you. He's like, 
Don't be afraid of me. Why are you afraid of me? Why are you afraid of me? Am I in the place of God? He's like, listen, if there's any um, retribution that's going to happen, it's not going to come from me, right? If God wants to do it, then fine. God can do whatever he wants to do. But Joseph is clearly communicating to, the, to his brothers. He's like, listen, you don't have any reason to be afraid of me at all. Why? Because he's forgiven them. Because he's forgiven them. He's not looking for a righteous retribution. He's not. Could he have done it? Absolutely. He had every, every opportunity to do that. He had every right to do that. He had every right to pay his brothers back. But like we talked about last week, he, his was that hand on the bow that was drawn and God's hand was on, he, he could have shot the arrow at his brothers, but he never did. He never did. He could have paid them back, but he never did. And nor would he ever. He says, it's forgiven. It's done. You don't need to be afraid of me. You don't need to be afraid of me. David Guzik, a, a pastor out in Santa Barbara um, and commentator, he says, uh, the brothers, they didn't feel like they had the moral right to ask Joseph for mercy since they had sinned so greatly against him. And oftentimes, that's kind of how we feel with the Lord. It's like, man, I've blown it. It's too big. What I've done is too big. And I can't go to, what, you can't go to God and ask for forgiveness? Listen, his mercy and his grace are far greater than anything you've done against him. You can always go to God and ask for forgiveness. You can always go to God and ask for forgiveness. Never let that lie creep into your heart and keep you from him. Never let that happen this little interaction between his brothers and Joseph would also kind of indicate on their part just some evidence of, of bitterness within their own hearts. There still were, probably was some bitterness concerning their brother. Remember, Joseph was the favorite by their dad, okay? And so um, there, there probably still were some remnants of that. And all this stuff just adds and it builds and it builds and builds. And then eventually one day it just kind of all comes spewing out. This is that day. But Joseph again, is just communicating to them, listen, don't be afraid of me. You don't have to fear. Uh, am I in the place of God? Verse 20, here's Joseph again. This is, man, this is his, this man's whole focus his entire life. As for you, you meant evil against me. He's like, yeah, you did commit an evil act against me. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not going to like, oh, it's no big deal. No, it was a big deal. It was a great sin. It was. But you meant it, you know, meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. To bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. There it is again, twice it's, it's commanded there. Do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus, he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Just amazing. Again, one of my favorite Bible characters is Joseph, and this is why. Because a guy who was probably, I mean, again, you know, nobody had been so greatly sinned against than Joseph until Jesus came along. And the same exact thing kind of happened to him. But it was a whole nation that turned on him, basically, and killed him. But here's Joseph who was wronged by his brothers and, and just... You name it, the worst that you can possibly imagine has happened to him in his life. And at the end of it all, he says, hey, listen, um, I forgive you. I forgive you. Uh, man, you guys, yeah, you guys wronged me, but you know what? Throughout the whole thing, what I saw was that God's hand was all over it, and he used it for good. Hope to the hopeless hope.
There's so much to learn from the pages of Genesis, but sadly, that's all we have time for today on Bread for the Broken. We're so glad you've spent your time with us today, and we'd like to take a moment and let you know how you can hear more of Pastor James Grizzle's teachings. Simply navigate to breadforthebroken.com and click on Teachings to access our archive. Feel free to share the teachings with your friends and family, or post them to social media. We love it when we can share the good news of the gospel with anyone and everyone, and you are a part of that. While you're at our website, you'll be able to discover more about the church behind the ministry of Bread for the Broken. Calvary Galveston isn't just another church in our city. We want to be a light for Jesus to all who enter through our doors. We love the Word of God, Jesus, the people of our church, and the people of our city. Do you live in Galveston, or are you visiting soon? We'd be honored to meet you in person. Calvary Galveston gathers for Sunday morning services at 10 a.m., not too early, but in plenty of time to start the week out with worship. Our atmosphere is pretty relaxed. Just come as you are. At our service, we search the scriptures for what God wants to teach us, and we spend time reflecting and celebrating Him through worship. Visit breadforthebroken.com for our address and to get more information. We're excited to meet you. Thanks for tuning in today to Pastor James' teaching. Join us again next time to continue through Genesis and find hope and new life in Jesus.